With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest uh, Mountain Wilshire football podcast edition. You're getting a couple podcasts today, folks. Um, Jeremy Moss here, Matt Kennerly. This is the week uh, week five preview. Are we already to week five? We are already in week five, yes. Is that good or bad? Time flies when you're having fun. So it's maybe good. a little bit of both. If you're a Fresno fan, Hawaii, you know what I mean? Boy, sort of Boise fan. Yeah, that's the fun, right? Yeah, and if you're and if you're a fan of some other teams that are uh, struggling right now, oh, well, not Utah State, but yeah. you, I mean, you mentioned that we've got multiple pop uh, podcasts in the pipeline. So for for some of those fan bases, you might look forward to what else we have coming down your favorite podcasting platform. You mean basketball season? <laughs> I do mean basketball season. I chatted with, we'll get to basketball, to, well, eventually I'll tell you about it, but I chatted with our good buddy Justin Michael, ramsreport.com, to talk about Colorado State, so go listen to that podcast, it should be up probably now, because I'm posting it as we speak here, and so we're not going to spend too much time on it, but basically, they're playing for 2019. Very nice. And they may or may I not... I mean, maybe not if you're a Colorado well, State fan, but... No. And they may or may not get four wins this year. <laughs> just saying, hey, look at their schedule. We discussed that San Jose State New Mexico game coming up. Those might be the only other two wins on the schedule. But, That's true. We did, and luckily we get a we get a reprieve from talking about them too much this week. Exactly, because they're off this week. They'll find a new quarterback because their quarterback position is wide open, as is every position apparently. All right, so oh let, goodness, <laughs> go listen to it because I have that same thought. I'm like, really. Mike Bobo, you're really doing this again? And um, who is it, the freshman, Justice um, McCoy? Maybe. Mm-hmm. He might be in the mix, possibly. So. Oh, man. Sorry, Rams fans. All right, let's get to our actual Well, they're, not the, only, they're not the only team on bye this week. We show all sorts of the other teams on bye. San Diego State, mm-hmm. they get a week to recover before their big matchup against Boise State. UNLV gets mm-hmm. a week off, and so does the red-hot Utah State Aggies. Yeah, so speaking of Aztecs really quick, um, Juwan Washington out for at least a month, six weeks with the clavicle. And they're looking for a backup quarterback. So maybe we should talk about that. Yeah, let's start with that. So should we talk about that real quick? Like on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about the Juwan Washington injury? (laughs) 7.8. So why is that? Well, it's not necessarily – but it is listening to him. He's a big deal. They have Chase Jasmine, who seemed to be pretty good. They don't have a running back behind him. They don't have a third running back. Like, looking through, and I did a quick article on the injury, their combined non-receiver, non-quarterback rushes is like four or five, I think, combined. Mm-hmm. And that's a concern. They've always had – well, not always, but they had the point when Washington was the third guy a couple years ago, but they've had no guy to be the number three running back who's not going to be the number two. And so is Jasmine coming in and do 25 carries a game, 30 carries a game all by himself? See, here, I feel like a counter-argument here because, I mean, if I guess if I had to put a number on it, it would be somewhere around, like, two and a half, maybe. Oh, boy. Because I look at their track record, mm-hmm. and for the better part of this entire decade, like, they've been able to replace one guy with the next with pretty much no problem at all, going back to, you know, Adam Moema and Walter Casey and, and guys like that. So... I just kind of look at it as it. I kind of look at it as an acceleration of a process that they've been doing for seven or eight years already. And you know, if Jasmine's the guy who's getting twenty carries a game right now, you know, I when you we, well, from what we've seen of him in the first few weeks, you know, forty three carries, two hundred thirty three yards, you know, slightly better than Juwan Washington on a per play basis. I'm not so worried about it. And like Jasmine. The guys that they're considering, guys like Kagan Williams, are all very highly regarded three-star guys that they brought in over the last couple of years. So 
I'm assuming that they're going to want one of those guys to kind of step up and be that number two, the RB2. But, you know, if they just shift the responsibilities where Jasmine is handling the majority of the work and the new understudy is handling maybe like eight, ten touches a game, you know, to me, as long as Ryan Agnew keeps taking care of the football, as long as the passing game continues making you know, plays here and there to take pressure off the running game, I'm not overly concerned. It's, you know, to me, the biggest question is how are they going to hold up against the opposition? Because I think at some point they'll find a guy and against the more beatable teams on their schedule in the next few weeks, they'll get by. But I think it's a confluence of other things that might make it look better or worse one way or the other. Well, let me rephrase why my concern is so high. I think Jasmine will be fine. It's mm-hmm. if I don't know, like my thing was again the number two guy. Yeah, they're highly recruited guys, but they've had like one the guy who had who during this last game when Washington left, one carry for one yard for the back for the number three running back. Mm-hmm. And this was a tight game. It wasn't a blowout, which I get. That's why you'd have Jasmine k- take the carry k- as many carries as possible. That's my concern. Like I think Jasmine will be fine. He'll perform fairly well. But my concern is, like, they've always had a second back, and they don't have that. My, my concern could change next week and be perfectly fine once they actually see them play against Boise State. Mm-hmm. Maybe their backup goes 10 for 45 yards. I just, without having a clear backup, a guy who's basically played none, that's more my big concern comes comes from the overall running back position to starter. I think that'll, that'll be fine. Like, if I'm just going off what Jasmine could do, I'm probably in the same neighborhood as you probably not maybe slightly less confident, a tiny bit, but I'm fairly confident overall. It's just, who? what if they need another running back for whatever reason, injury, or they the guy's not playing well? Who's going to come in and play? Even though their track record's there, I want to see it before I'm going to say, yeah, I'm great, I'm good. Whoever they run out there is fine. So I'm just going to point out their, their upcoming schedule after the game at Boise next weekend. They have a home date versus Air Force, okay. a home date versus San Jose State, Good. And then they're at, at Nevada, mm-hmm. at New Mexico. Nice schedule and, there. Very nice. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, on a per-play basis, surprisingly, San, San Jose State's number two in the conference as far as, you know, yards allowed per carry. You know, they're only giving up 3.2 yards per carry, which kind of surprising. I'm filtering this, by the way, by FBS opposition, so it skews a little bit. But, like I said, with the track record that the Aztecs have established for themselves – you know, they might have a rough go of against Boise. They're, the Broncos' defense obviously still very good, has a lot of playmakers. But for the month after that, I think regardless of whether they have a consistent RB2, they'll be fine one way or the other. I think they'll be fine. And part of it, too, the offensive line is really, really good and experienced. It's just a mm-hmm. combination of things. I Like I said, my concern is I want to see what happens and what their backups can do. Because, yeah. what, like, what if they need to... Because that's what they've always done. They've always had a good number two. And their number two who's coming has always had a guy who's played something. These guys have literally played nothing outside of, like, one... Well, not literally, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, two carries on the whole year. I want to see who that is. So, we'll see. You're confident. I think it'll be okay. And you're right. Once they play I think New Mexico... you can make the point for kind of in, in-game experience. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, that, that's my concern. I want to see. It's like every time I said for Boise State replacing, like, Jeremy McNichols or the other guys... I want to, I'll be cautious mm-hmm. until I see it happen. That's where I'm at. And I think that's a fair, fair point to, to take, I think, for me. But mm-hmm. whatever. Should we get to games? Games. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Afternoon games. So your morning is open to watch those um, 9 Pacific, 10 Mountain games that are going on nationally if you want to tune into those. But the first game, conference game, Nevada at Air Force, ESPN News. So shout out to them. Uh, it's a two local time kick, two Pacific, one or two Mountain, one Pacific. This game, the over-under 63.5, take the over, Matt, right now. Take it. Yeah, right? probably. Probably. Because... Surprisingly, though, have, have you seen the line for this game, though? Air Force by 5? Air Force minus 5. I can see that. They gave Utah this... State a good run. Does That that surprises me. Why, who are you picking? Well, we'll get that later, I guess, but... I'm about to say, I've, I kind Sorry, of want to bury the lead a little they... bit. But what's the surprise? Why do you think... Who do you think is better, though, Air Force or Nevada? I mean, I think at this point you have to give Nevada the upper hand because when I look at this matchup, I when and I, and I wrote the preview, the three keys to an Air Force win in this matchup. But on the whole, it just seems like Air Force's most glaring weaknesses line up very well with Nevada's greatest strengths. 
And this game on its face strikes me as being very similar to last week's game against Utah State, where we thought Jordan Love go out and win this game. And he went ahead and did that. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, when I look at an Air Force defense that by, you know, the five factors over at Football Study Hall, they're still only 118th in explosiveness on defense. Like they get chewed up on big plays. And even though Nevada got boat raced last weekend and, and excuse me, last weekend against Toledo, let's not overlook the fact that they had 13 chunk plays and it was fairly distributed evenly throughout the ground in the air. I think it was six on the ground, seven through the air. So when I look at an Air Force defense that's prone to giving up big plays and a Nevada offense that's prone to creating them, maybe not prone to creating them, but just the offense that creates them, it just seems like a potentially lopsided game to me. A lopsided? I Because we know, that, here's the thing about Air Force, you might be right, because Air Force, they had a little luck to stay in the game against Utah State, like the strip strip fumble for a touchdown, seven points right there. Mm-hmm. And their defense couldn't stop Utah State, which I would say Utah State's more balanced offense, but Nevada's more explosive. Like you mentioned, all those big chunk of plays versus Toledo. And I'd still think, I guess part of the reason is because Nevada's defense is so bad, that's why Air Force is given the edge. Because I expect Air Force to have a big day running, the gra- running on the ground. But also, they kept switching quarterbacks. Worthman and Sanders both got playing time last week, which... It's not ideal because it is a timing offense for running the option type, what they want to do. I just, maybe you're right. Maybe convincing me a bit more. Like, I like Nevada regardless, I think. But we saw an Air Force. Look how quickly Utah State scored. Nevada could probably score even faster. And Nevada wants to go downfield even more and throw more and just be more offensive, I guess. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, when you look back at both of the games that Nevada and Air Force played last week, you know, one of the things we've talked about in the past is success rate. And a lot of people will say when you're wondering how a team is doing, point to success rate. And on the season so far, Air Force's success rate is way down from where it's been in the last couple of years. They're 96th right now at 40.2%. And if you just kind of need a quick refresher on what success rate is, basically it's just your ability to stay on schedule. It's 50% of yards on first down, 70% on second down. 100% on either third or fourth down. So they aren't being quite as efficient as they have been on the whole. But I think if you're looking for for hope in this game, it's that both teams ended up posting very similar success rates last week. You know, Air Force against Utah State managed a 43% rate. So that's a, there's a slight uptick there. To me, it's just like, are they going to be able to run 107 plays again? Because yeah. I really don't think so. That's a lot of plays. Yeah. And and Utah State, they owned an, an advantage of yards per play of almost three and a half yards. Like, I don't know that Nevada is going to be able to equal that. But it wouldn't surprise me if they got close with how explosive they are on offense. But that I could see them running that many plays because Nevada wants to score quickly. You know what I mean? Like, they, they're they going to want yeah. it. So, that's what I mean. Like, Utah State, part of the reason you get so many plays because Utah State scored quickly and then Air Force just holds the ball. But I mm-hmm. getting above 100 plays is just that's ridiculous. But I – Well, it was I, a school record. That's why I'm kind of expecting yeah, yeah, yeah. they probably won't be able probably, to do it again. Probably, probably, I listened to Matt Wilson's interview. He said it was more like – well, the official plays were 107. is actually said closer to, like, I think 115 or something because the amount of offensive penalties as well or plays had, had to be yeah, played. Yeah, yeah. So it's even more than that. It, there'll be a lot of plays regardless because while Nevada and Utah State are different teams a little bit for what they do, they're, they they want to score and score quickly. And so that's why maybe 90 plays. But I don't know. I who like I think it's going to come down to who has a better defense, right? Like both these defenses are terrible. I expect each team to score a lot of points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think it's going to come down to which running game can do more because we saw what Toa Tawa did last oh, week yeah. against yeah against uh, Toledo and you know he provided a lot of surprising big play capability but even if he's not quite as explosive if he can be as efficient i think that's going to be huge for the wolf pack you know just by virtue of the fact that if they can play air force's game at least a little bit to kind of keep that offense off the field because you know the falcons are going to want to move the chains 
you know, milk the clock, you know, grind the, you know, grind their way down the field. You know, to me, it comes down to Tau versus Caden Remsburg, because I think if you're trying to make the case for Air Force, it's going to start with him and the fact that he had almost 100 yards on almost on only 14 carries last week. So I think he was kind of integral to the fact that they were able to get back in the game against Utah State. But, you know, like you said, the, both of these front sevens, front sixes, depending on which defense you're examining, they're both a little bit suspect. But we've seen Nevada be able to disrupt fairly consistently, even if they're allowing a lot of yards here and there. We haven't really seen that from Air Force, and that's why I have my doubts. I am going to say, you're right, if Tello has a huge game again, I'm going to say, it's prediction time, I say Nevada wins, and if you convince me, they're going to win big. Road Nevada wins by a touchdown. So do you have like a score? Wait, okay, so you have a score prediction? Yeah, I'll go 30, um, let's see, I will go 30, 37-30. Yeah, I mean, I think if you watched last week's game, Against Utah State, this one's going to look really familiar. I do think Air Force is going to be able to make some plays, but I do kind of expect that Nevada's offense is going to be able to keep them at arm's length. So I'm with you. I have Nevada covering and winning outright. I think it's probably going to be a little bit higher scoring, though. I'm going to say 42-30. All right. Next game. All right. Liberty at New Mexico. No TV, so get like I said, get her get her on the campfire to get your uh, radio tuned correctly to get the channel or stream it on TuneIn. I'm always disappointed, especially now that these games can't. They why didn't why wasn't this on Facebook? I, it's Liberty in New Mexico. How did this happen though? <laughs> I Lobos have a streaming partner. I know they do. I don't know what the deal is. Um, here's what yeah, you, it's kind of disappointing. It's very much also or it's you can get in for six bucks, Matt. If you want to go, it's six dollars. That's that's true. All right, so New Mexico is a seven-point favorite. It's a 4 p.m. local kick. Um, Liberty is one and two. Matt, do you already know who Liberty's lone victory is against? It is against Old Dominion. <laughs> 52 they, to 10. They have, the, uh, they have the recent upset against number 13, Virginia Tech. So whatever emoji on that outcome, who knows. Um, for those who don't, don't know Liberty, they're a new FBS team. Who've also got crushed last week by a really good undefeated North Texas team, forty-seven to seven. And um, Lobos, we don't know who started at quarterback. Clearly, it's Davies. Kind of keep it to his chest. It could be um, Toyot. Jeez, oh, um, I can never say his name. Can you help me out here? It is. You were referring to Tavaka Tuioti. Tavaka Tuioti out, out of the uh, concussion protocol. Inter- interestingly, though, he's listed atop the depth chart. Is that, and wait, wait, is that a current depth chart or is that one they just stick for week one and let it ride the whole year? No, because I believe Sharon Jones was atop the depth chart last week. Okay, all right. And maybe it's just me. New Mexico might be the rare team that doesn't employ oars on their depth chart. Thank you, Bob Davy, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're right, because I've, I've seen notifications from Steve Bergen and down there at the Albuquerque Journal saying that he, they're playing it kind of close to the best. But, I mean, personally, I would be really surprised if Tuioti wasn't under center for the first offensive snap. Because he missed the game and had a bye week. So he's had at least a couple mm-hmm. weeks to be prepared. Um, he is the better quarterback, right? He should be the guy playing if he's healthy. We've seen flashes from Jones. Mm-hmm. But I think that we what we've seen from Tuioti, which I think is going to be really important to this game, is that he's been able to get that offense off to fast starts. And I've... I've I don't have the exact number in front of me. I think in in the first quarters of games, he's 12 of 17, which is a huge step in the right direction for the hashtag throwbows. No W. Um, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, we didn't quite see that in the week, uh, the win a couple weeks ago against New Mexico State. Do you know how many times the Lobos threw against the Aggies in that win in the first quarter? 25 no no i could say some ridiculous number i don't know four 15 two two okay that's close four no two but I, and not I, many i believe not i many. believe the run pass ratio was 18 to two so classic lobo is running the football right that depends on your definition of classic well because, two years ago <laughs> yeah but i mean classic in the sense that yeah they're running the ball a lot but not so much in the fact that they're actually doing much with it I mean, let's not forget, Tyrone Owens still only has 3.6 yards per carry. 
Yeah, it's not. I mean, I think it helped that I think it helped that they had Amari Davis kind of break out a little bit. You know, he showed a slight bit more explosiveness, but that's still the element that that offense is missing. And whether it's Owens, whether it's Davis, or whether it's someone else, like we saw, you know, let's not forget Zanier Schuler had his big play back in Week One. But I think at some point they're going to need that explosive element in their offense. It's just been kind of missing in the first few weeks. All right, so my big question, switch the other side, Liberty. They have a pretty good quarterback, Stephen Colvert, throwing fairly well. Only 53% completion rate, which is all right. But he, they like to throw the deep ball, Matt. They have quite a few, pat, like with at least four to six passes, I believe, here, of 30 or more reception yards, I should say, per play. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have big running games on the ground. They have a couple 50-plus or touchdown runs. Not that not that Liberty's any good, but I think if Liberty's going to win, they're going to need like those huge big plays, which they had none versus North Texas, I don't think, and most of them came between those first two weeks, Army and Old Dominion. I don't know if I trust this defense in Mexico to make stops because it's just – I don't want to just be lame and say it's New Mexico's defense, but they're usually not that good, which is the case for the most part. But big plays – you're, they're not going to win if they give up too many of those big plays that Liberty seems to at times can do when they are sort of successful. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think you're right. Liberty is going to throw the football. Their, their, their running game is fine. You know, I think they'll also have to be mindful of Kentori Matthews, who's averaging six and a half yards per carry, and he leads the team in, in rushes with 34. But it's also worth noting that in the past three weeks, they're – efficiency in throwing the football has decreased pretty dramatically and you mentioned last week's lopsided loss against North Texas some of that had to do with the fact that they were playing in a driving rainstorm yeah like we, we know that there were delays a couple weeks ago in the Air Force game so they were dealing with something similar but it also doesn't take away from the fact that they only completed 40% of their passes yeah. against the mean green and the week before against Army they only completed 51% of their passes so on the whole, you know, the numbers are a little bit skewed, I think, based on the competition that they played so far. And, you know, you mentioned that you're a little bit skeptical of New Mexico's past defense. A little bit, yeah. But, but I mean, they've been okay. Like, do you realize they already have seven interceptions this year? I did not. That's pretty good. How many were against Incarnate Word? Uh, Just, <laughs> top, I don't have I don't have the game. I'll find it. I'll find it. I'm but here's, gonna, but here's, here's what I can tell you: they already have more interceptions in the first three games than they had all of last year. That's a big deal because we mentioned that, or maybe you mentioned it like last week, probably about their interceptions. But it is a big deal. Like they, it's the turnover margin. It's like what well, well, Wyoming, Wyoming is done. They always get turnovers, and, and that's how you're going to win. They had well here five yeah, versus the Mexico State five. Well, and the Flames aren't quite as pass-heavy as the Aggies are. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. That was a laugh. But I, but, I, but I don't think that that can be ignored. I think that you know maybe some of the new guys that they have in the secondary. You know, we, we saw Marcus Hayes claim Defensive Player of the Week honors a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, if he can continue taking a step forward, maybe that's the kind of – Maybe that's the kind of element from the secondary from this past defense that hasn't been there in the last couple of years that maybe makes them more of a threat to win this game. It's like because even if they give up yards, if they can get picks and short fields, like if you look at what like Marcus Hayes is doing, he's a freshman, two picks, a pass broke up, three pass defended, and so yeah. that's really good. So if they can, yeah, they give up yards. Like their running game could be better. Yards per play overall could be a bit better. But if they could, yeah, give up yards, but if they can get an interception late in the game or teams driving down a field goal range, red zone, get it pick, that'll help them out. So the yardage could be skewing that a little bit. I know I'm comfortable saying they're going to give up yards, but the way old, for, excuse me, not Old Dominion, um, Liberty's been getting worse and worse to pass defense. They'll probably be fairly successful right around 50%. But like I said, there's one game where all their stats have came across essentially where they've been really good. And New Mexico's mm-hmm. probably not, not as good as North Texas, probably closer to not even good, as good as the Army, I don't think. But So I expect all success moving the ball, but if the Lobos keep going what they're doing, on knocking balls down like over interceptions, that's where just avoid, just get knocked the ball down. Don't let them get those big passing plays, which we've seen them, Liberty can do every now and then. But overall, I don't know if Liberty has enough to do much in this game. Well, maybe one one other thing that we should mention is that New Mexico is also losing Alex Hart for the year. That's right. I, I forget the exact nature of the injury, but you know he 
you know, he's a figure in the middle of that defense. And while they've had some surprising playmakers, like have a hello to Tohi, of course had the big play against Wisconsin a few weeks ago. And, you know, Sidavena Tamaivena, I think is supposed to be taking Hart's place. And, you know, Jordan Flack has been, you know, he's made some plays here and there. He has one sack on the year. So he's had a little bit of influence. But those guys are going to have to step up without Hart, who was the team's third leading tackler before he went down. So it looks like Hart has a toe injury that's sidelining him for the year, which is kind of odd. Yeah. So. Bad break. Yeah, I'm not sure what the deal is with that. It's just kind of odd toe injury to get you for the year. All right, so New Mexico is a seven-point favorite. Over-under is high at 64. You go first this time. What's your pick? So I do like New Mexico to win this game. I think they might struggle to move the ball consistently. I kind of think both of these teams are going to struggle to move the ball consistently. If only because, you know, we, and and I think a lot of that is going to depend on who ends up under center for New Mexico. I, if it were me, I would put Toyote out there. But if they decide to like run two quarterbacks out there, or Jones gets the start, I kind of expect them to struggle a little bit. So I would probably take Liberty to cover, but I would definitely take the Lobos to win. I'm going to say twenty-four to twenty. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny because that's my exact same prediction as well. Huh. I'm like, no, don't say it. 20. So, all right, we both go 24-20. So, yeah. Um, Great minds think alike. Exactly. Next game, Boise State. No, excuse me. Apologies. Yeah, no, that's right. Boise State at Wyoming. Um, it's the return of the safety dance location at Laramie. Don't tell, don't tell the Boise State fans about that. They're already motivated by that. <laughs> hey, as you should be. Hey, it's only 50 bucks to go to the game, so. Sure. Um, it's 5 p.m. local time, CBS Sports Network. Boise's favored by 17 points. Over-under is only 46 and a half. They are maybe not expecting a competitive game then, I guess. So what are they thinking? Like, um, what would that be? 40 to, no, wait, 30 to 13? 33, 13, something like that? 33, 16? Well, let's put it this way. By S&P Plus... The, the predictions for the week, they have Boise State winning this game 38-20. to 20. Team rankings has 31-15. Uh, hmm. I don't know. It, this is a game. Here's the thing. Nico Evans is going to be back. Austin Fort's going to be back for a while. I mean, so that helps the offense. But as people on Twitter, Wyoming fans try to get after me, their offense is terrible. Until the, and, like, my, I had one of the guys from the rivals like, hey, they're going to make a bowl game. There are six wins on the schedule. I'm like, prove it to me. Your offense has been worse than garbage, ter- worse than last year for the most part. Getting Nico Evans and Fort Fort back will help, but not against this defense. Like Boise State literally could might actually shut this Wyoming team out this weekend. So it's interesting that people think that you know Wyoming has a chance to get the bowl eligibility. <laughs> um, well, I'm, maybe interesting is the wrong word, but. If you haven't looked at the stat profiles, Bill Connolly's been adding new stuff that's pretty cool in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. One of the things he added most recently was win total odds I love for that. the regular season. Is that on Football you, Study Hall or SB Nation? Where's that at? Uh, it's actually a Google form or oh. Google sheet oh, with every single team listed at once. But let me ask you this without looking. I can't what find would it, you so say are the <laughs> well, what would you say are the odds of Wyoming getting to six wins this year? So look at who they're playing real quick. Boise State probably a loss. Well, at Hawaii probably a loss. At Fresno probably a loss. Hosting Utah State probably a loss. At CSU toss up. So to get to six wins and they're sitting at two, I'd say like three percent. So they actually give Wyoming a one in three chance <laughs> of reaching six and six. Wait, one in three. Thirty-three percent chance. Hmm. How? Well, they have <laughs> the interest. So they, just a reminder, because Bill Connolly would want to remind you at every juncture. Yes. S and P Plus is predictive yeah. more than anything. You know, and it, he has an interesting article on resume S and P Plus that I would also recommend you check out. Mm-hmm. But because it's predictive, they have Wyoming favored against Hawaii. Mm. And in those last four games that you mentioned. I see the last four games. Those are all winnable games. That's where they can get to so, six, but I don't know if they'll get four in a row. So it's 22% that they get to five wins, uh, 33% that they get to six, and 25 that they get to seven. 
So there's still have a pretty healthy chance if they can get it together in November. True, but how com- here's my thing. I know it's predictive; it's game by game. But if they lose to Boise, I think they lose to Hawaii. Lose to, like these next four games, they could be sitting at two and six. Yeah, I, I just I thirty three thirty three percent chance is too high. That's all I'm saying for me, because they're off again. Show me something offensively. Move the ball. Maybe Nico Evans coming back. That'll be great. Maybe Vander Wall will be able to throw the ball down the field and find whoever is down catching the ball for the other end for a while. I mean, Rocket Ishmael Jr. or somebody. I just don't see it because they barely beat Wolford. They couldn't score against Washington State. The offense is just pathetic, and they're and they're gonna have, they maybe they'll get some confidence playing out Hawaii because they can move the ball probably and score some points there. But against this game specifically. I'm going to say it. Wyoming's going to get shut out this week. I'm calling that right now. They're going to they're going to score zero points. Very interesting. Okay, let me rephrase See, that. Can I, can I rephrase? I'll say they score zero offensive points. <laughs> okay, okay, that's a that's a hedge, but I'll allow it. I'm just saying. Here, like, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to make the opposite argument. I think if Wyoming wants to win this game, they've got to show me something on defense. And you know, one of the things that we talked about it in the preseason that we always knew was going to be subject to regression mm-hmm. was their ability to create turnovers. Yeah. And so far this year, especially especially in the secondary, you know, they made hay by making all sorts of interceptions last year. Yeah. This year they only have 3 interceptions. Two of those came last week against Wolford. And when you compare that to what they did last year when they led the country in turnover margin, Last year, in the first four games, they had five interceptions. And, you know, only one of those was against Gardner-Webb. So they were creating more opportunities for themselves in that defensive backfield. And by havoc rate, they only rank in, in among their DBs 117th in the country. So they just aren't getting their hands on the ball nearly as often as they were last year. And I think if they want to have a chance in this game... You know, not only is the defensive line going to have to challenge Brett Rippon, which you know we saw Boise's offensive line struggle mightily a couple weeks ago against Oklahoma State and keeping him upright. You know, I think that Wyoming's defensive line obviously has the talent to be able to try and do that again, but the secondary is going to have to do something too. They're going to have to create opportunities for themselves at some point. Otherwise, it's just going to be another Drew Locke situation or another Gardner Minshew situation where they're going to get picked apart. I, I agree with you. Like they already have three picks. They're still or they're plus three on the year. They're still middle of the pack and pass defense defended per game. But you're right, if guys at the front, Carl Granderson, whoever can sack or cause pressure to TFLs to get to Madison or get Brett Rippin a couple sacks, I think eventually Boise State offense will break through. I don't know if they'll score thirty points, but it might be like a like a. Tw- like seriously, if I say it's a shutout, I might shut up. I might be like twenty to zero, twenty-one nothing, where it's kind of a slow burn where they just kind of ultimately break through because Boise's offense will ultimately break through against his defense. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, I, like, what do you expect from Vanderbilt? He's not going to do anything. Is Nico Evans going to come in and run against David Moe and everybody and get a hundred yards on the ground? No. I mean, I think I think if the offense is going to have a chance, that's going to be their best bet. Yeah. They're gonna, they, but I, but, yeah, but I, don't, I know. don't know if that's gonna happen. It's not. That's why my prediction. I'm gonna say it, it's gonna be twenty to zero. Boise State's gonna win. You think they're only gonna score twenty points? I think the defense is good enough. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a long afternoon in Laramie. Oh, are you gonna double my it's, score? It's. It's probably it's. Let's put it this way: definitely, or Boise's definitely gonna cover. Oh, definitely. All right. And it's and it's not even going to be close. It's going to be like 40, 41 to fourteen. Whoa, 41 to fourteen. All right, I'm going to change my pick. I'll go twenty eight zero. Okay. I just I don't see off why we scoring offensively at all. Like I, mean, I, I yeah, I, I kind of subscribe to the to the to the <laughs> to the theory that like you got to show me something. Yeah, that's what I've been and saying all I show. Come on, I just I just don't <laughs> know if Wyoming has the horses on offense to be able to keep up with the Boise. You know, a Boise attack that's going to get theirs. And the defense will just get worn down, I think, what you're saying, right? Yeah, I think so. So, all right, let's move on. Next game, because I actually got a hustle here. So, Hawaii at San Jose State. Hey, this will be a quick one, Matt. <laughs> For Pacific, it's on Spectrum pay-per-view, so that sinks. However, 
the watch stadium app is available and it's not super late. Yes. And we will make sure to have the link in our game preview. So be on the lookout for that. All right. So this game really quick, the line of this game is nuts. It looks like somebody having a heart attack. If you look at the, the graph or like an irregular heartbeats, it started at eight and a half. It's gone to 12, 13, 12 and a half, 11 and a half, 10 and a half. It's currently plus 10 for San Jose state, which means Spart Hawaii is a 10 point road favorite. Um, what are we doing for our sheet? You mentioned before, but I forget. What did you put when you sent out our staff picks? What line are we uh, going with? I set it at minus 10 for Hawaii. 10. <sighs> When's the last time Hawaii's been a double-digit road favorite? When's the last time they've been a double-digit favorite at all? I wish I had that answer in front of me. That would be awesome. I would have to honestly guess could be like a decade ago when they had Colt Brennan at QB. <laughs> I, I, Maybe. Like, they haven't been that good in a long time, like that dominant and or – Conversely, playing a team so terrible as San Jose State, it could be like taking out FCS teams because there's probably when there's there's lines for any game you can find, like when they're playing uh, Duquesne or whatever some FCS team. I'm talking about FBS team, but here's the thing: um, we don't know who's playing quarterback early for San Jose State. They're probably going to play Love and Montel Aaron. For we don't know why we just throw our hands up right on that <laughs> for what they're doing. Um, yeah. But right now, the depth chart list, let me see if they have it updated. It's still an or situation. I don't know why. Again, I don't know why it's not Montel Aaron. He's shown to do something. But seriously, Hawaii's offense is going to score 40 points, 50 points? It's going to be really interesting because... Over-under real quick is only 65. See, here, here's the here's the biggest counter I could make is that you might have said the same thing a week ago against Oregon. And I think we both did say the same thing last week against Oregon. But they might be, like, kind of interesting in their secondary. They are. Because, they are, yeah. Because I think I think on the one hand, you know, one, one thing you look at is, you know, they haven't been great when it comes to containing big plays, you know, on defense. I'm trying to look up what they are. Well, then they're know, in trouble. In explosiveness. They're in trouble if they can't stop big plays. Well, so here's the interesting <laughs> thing: by defensive success rate, they rank a hundredth in the country, which isn't very good. No. By explosiveness, they're actually above the national average. Hmm. And you know, some of that may have to do with the fact that you know, they're starting with terrible field position on average on defense. On average, opponents are starting at the 34.3 yard line. And you know, I'm assuming some of that has to do with the fact that the offense has turned the ball over a few times. Josh Love has three interceptions. Um, but, you know, if you look at what they've been able to do, like and in some metrics, they, they haven't really been very good because they've had the ball thrown against them a lot, seemingly at will, by basically everybody they've thrown <laughs> yes. at them. But they also have six interceptions on the year, too. They do. So, and, they've, been, they've been able to defend it maybe slightly better than they have than they did a year ago. I mean, we just talked about New Mexico surpassing their their interception total from a year ago. San Jose State has now matched it from a year ago in three games. And really quickly, and like, so and so when I'm thinking about what Hawaii likes to do, like we saw them get off to a little bit of a slow start against Duquesne last week, and that was driven in part, actually, I would say mostly by turnovers. So if San Jose State can create opportunities for themselves, if they can get their act together at quarterback, most importantly, yeah, they might have something there. You're right, because I'm looking at the box score again from Oregon game a bit more closely. Like Justin Herbert completed barely 50, less than 50% in his passes, picked off twice. The running game did nothing overall for Oregon. And so part of it's field position because they did score 22 points, which is a positive, which all came in the air because Love actually scored a touchdown in the air and threw for two-something. Mm-hmm. So in Oregon, I was thinking, well, maybe Oregon put their backups in or something. But no, they kept Herbert in the whole game because 13-point victory is not a huge victory for this game. And the running like I said, the running attack was held in check against Oregon. They only had a 50 times for 130, which is like, what, three yards of carry? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say Hawaii's more explosive than Oregon. So maybe you're right. Maybe San Jose State could stick around if they were to get a few more pass breakups or a few more interceptions on a deep play where a Hawaii guy had a potential to get a touchdown or a big play. I still say – I, I was going to say, and the other thing we've seen is that, you know, 
we've seen Hawaii's running game be a little bit erratic here and there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they had a very good game against Duquesne last week. Duquesne. But Duquesne, yeah. Um, but we've seen San Jose State be able to be a little more disruptive up front here and there too. And so I'm I'm wondering like if if the twosome of, of Bryson Bridges and and Boogie Roberts, who I think have combined for seven and a half tackles for loss so far, six and a half, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Like those two have had pretty decent September so far. And if they can get in there and disrupt some plays, if they can put Hawaii behind schedule and force them into third and longs, we, we've seen Hawaii struggle a little bit in those situations. And so that's another thing where, you know, if that's something that can, that San Jose state can work towards and make successful. I mean, let's not forget third and long success rate for Hawaii this year, 126th in the country. So it's not like they've done that consistently well. Sure. And also like women's defense isn't very good either. And so if Aaron or love, whoever's out there and they do have another week back with uh, Luke Roberson running the ball. So I think they will be San Jose state will score some points. It's interesting looking at like team rankings to number fire. They have Hawaii winning thirty seven twenty seven and then thirty one twenty six. I think it'll be a lot a lot of points, but I think it's gonna be like I don't know because it's risky to pick Hawaii to like shut a team down. But I still, I think I still think Hawaii could score like maybe forty points in this game. Yeah, I mean I think you're probably right, and and S and P plus has this at forty one to twenty seven. I'm thinking like I'm gonna go like forty to twenty. I think this might be like a sneaky fun game. Could be. It'll I be. I mean, this is yeah. This might be the first game where San Jose State really comes out and and proves itself to be a headache. I do think Hawaii will win, but I would probably take the Spartans to cover. I'm gonna say thirty-eight to thirty-one. Really, that close? I think so. Yeah. I, I think I think Hawaii will win comfortably, but it'll be where I think they'll they'll do what they do like those pull like oh, here's two quick touchdowns where they score in the fourth quarter. But I'm gonna go bigger. I'm gonna go forty to twenty for Hawaii, a huge right. huge road victory. Final game of the day: Toledo at Fresno State, seven thirty Pacific, ESPNU. Have you heard back of your what your attendance situation will be at this game? Uh, I will be in attendance. I will be in the press box, and if you follow me on Twitter at Matt K underscore FS. I will be live tweeting the game. You do need to give us a food update, what they provide. Oh, I can give you one right now. Oh, they've already told you. What is it? Well, I'm not talking about in the press box. Ah, gotcha. I don't know if it's a halftime or something like that. I saw this on Twitter earlier. They're doing a corn eating contest at some point. (laughs) Didn't they do it last year? Is that a thing at Fresno stadium or Bulldog? Yeah, it's, it's because this Saturday is ag day. All right, so you have some corn at least, right? I'm gonna try because Fresno State corn is amazing. I'm just gonna put that out there. Better than Nebraska corn? Yes. Ooh, shots fired. I'm just gonna, well, n- we don't have any Nebraska fans listening. Whatever. No, I just, I know, I just <laughs> All right, I mean, real quick, what's your confidence level of Fresno being eight point favorite? Honestly, that's a little high. That's what in I thought my too. Opinion. Me too. And it's and that's another line that's moved quite a bit because if I remember correctly, they opened at minus ten, uh, and it honestly wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if the line shrunk a little bit more between now and kickoff. Actually, I'm seeing because, a new one. So, yeah, it opened at high of ten. Right now, it's actually seven and a half at the moment. Apparently, it switched just now, so it's close. I see. Or close-ish. <laughs> but I mean, we saw. If you watched last week's game against Nevada, and if you listened to our recap podcast of week four, you already have a sense of what Toledo can do. They can create big plays. Point explosion. And yeah, and I mean, I think it's maybe a lot to ask them to put forth the same kind of field position advantage that they had last week against the Wolfpack. But I think if Fresno State's going to win this game, you know, we saw what Mitchell Guadagni can do with both his arm and his legs. He combined for, I think it was, what, 370 yards of total offense? You know, the front four has been a little bit hit or miss. I've seen some people asking, like, what's the deal? And when you look at the overall sack rate for Fresno State this year, it is slightly down from where it is, or from, from where it was last year. 
on the season, they have a sack rate of 4.4%, which ranks 95th in the country. And some of that, I think, has to do with the fact that opponents are just passing less against them on average. Could be. I looked it, I looked it up, and they're averaging 5.5 attempts fewer than they did in 2017. So that's a step in the right direction. But I also don't know that it matters quite as much because, you know, by a lot of metrics, they've still played pretty good pass defense. You know, opponents' passer ratings right now, I'm trying to look that up while I'm talking. They are number one in the conference, 94.16. And even if you take out the Idaho game, they're still number one. You know, it jumps up by about 10 points or so. So they've shown an ability to shut down dangerous attacks. My big concern is kind of what we saw against the Minnesota Gophers a few weeks ago, where we saw them find ways to get Tyler Johnson open. And, I mean, we just saw what Toledo's trio of receivers could do against, you know, an overwhelmed secondary. So they're going to have to be ready for, I'll just say it again, Johnson, Johnson, and Thompson. Those are the three guys that are going to create a lot of headaches if Toledo can out-scheme the Bulldogs' defense. Um, here's one thing about their defense. You know, Fresno is like number one or two in the country in total turnover margin. They are that yeah that's true. Are they still behind Kansas though? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> they, <laughs> they're plus uh, basically plus eight well, margin, but margin per game two point six seven. They're tied for second in the country with seven picks. They're not turning. It's not just a massive interception game. They're not getting rid of the ball either. Two, only two fumbles, two picks lost. So four total, obviously. So that's why they're plus eight. Like, that goes right along with your um what's it the defensive uh, passer rating where it's that good. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a big deal. Can Toledo not turn the ball over in the passing game? Because if they if they can make completions, go downfield, do what they normally do, that'll be an issue. This will clearly, like you mentioned, alluded to, the biggest test all year in pass defense to date. And can they well, get, and can, that's where it's, I think that's where this game can come down to. Can Fresno get a few pass breakups, a few picks, or can Toledo find the open guy and not make those mistakes? Well, and even beyond the the traditional measures, like they only have two interceptions against FBS competition. <laughs> but <laughs> but here's here's the critical number. I think is I know it's they're half an FBS just team, out. Right? They're just outside the top twenty in DB havoc rate. You know, they have a nine point nine point five percent havoc rate among the people in the secondary. And that's not just one guy. Like Mike Bell has three pass breakups. You know, Tank Kelly has three pass breakups. He has his two interceptions. Juju Hughes has a couple of pass breakups. So if they can just keep doing that, you know, we talk about the fact that that's what creates opportunities for turnovers. That is the way that I think that this defense can really put this game out of reach early if things break their way. So what do you think about the Fresno offense then? Against this Toledo defense, which Nevada can score points against anybody, so I would say, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think if you're Josh Hokett, you might be, you know, licking your chops, yeah, looking at what Toa Tawa did last week against exactly. the Rockets, because that's one of the big things that we saw in the games between Minnesota and UCLA is we saw them just go back and <laughs> go back to what they did best, which is just hammer them inside, and. <laughs> Run the ball. <laughs> I think I think it's a very realistic possibility that they do that again against Toledo because, you know, they weren't really able to stop Nevada last week. Like we just we talked about it with the Air Force preview a few minutes mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. They had all sorts of big plays in the air and on the ground. So if they can just do that again, they don't necessarily need to be explosive to kind of put them in a chokehold. Exactly. Like if true freshmen can run for that many yards Whereas Fresno has an experienced offensive line, Hogan, experienced running back, experienced quarterback, good receiver. They might not need big plays, but if that running game gets going, bring out the play action, throw it out to Keyshawn Johnson down the field. One or two big plays are probably oh, going to oh, happen. By the, and oh, by the way, what oh, by the way, what do we got? There's a very good chance that Ronnie Rivers might be back from his list Frank injury for this game. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. Tico plays. I mean, on even if, he's if back? even. Even if he's not, like even if he only gets a handful of carries, I think that with what the offense was able to do last week against UCLA, you know, they showed they could beat up on a below average defense. 
And when I look at Toledo, like we talked about their kind of individual playmakers, you know, Jamal Hines, Reggie Howard, mm-hmm. Tuzar Skipper, you know, they've got some playmakers, especially up front. But I do think that Fresno State's offensive line, and especially their running game with as deep as they are, to keep those guys fresh and just keep pounding the rock inside, that might be all they need to do. Prediction time. I am going to say Fresno State's going to win. Over under 61. I think it's going to be more than that because I think Toledo will find its way to get in the end zone quite a bit. Number Fire has like 29-21, team ranking 34-27. I'm going to go it's like 35-24. They'll cover it, but it'll be a lot of points, even though this Fresno's defense is really good. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because S&P Plus has the, pretty close. <laughs> they have it at Fresno State 34, Toledo 29. So they have Toledo covering that spread. What do you got? And I do have Toledo covering the spread too uh, at minus eight. Okay. But I and I do think it's going to be a slugfest. I think it's going to be back and forth where you know, both teams are probably going to have the lead for long stretches in this game. But I do expect that Fresno State's strengths, especially on offense, are going to be able to carry the day against a suspect Rockets defense. So, like I said, Toledo to cover, but I do have Fresno State to win. I'm going to say I'm going to say 35 to. 31. Ooh, close one. It is going to be close. It's going to be a good game, so watch, stay up late and watch yeah, it. Stay up late, watch this game. It's the only late game for the Mountain West. At the Hawaii's not super late. Just uh, if you need to take a nap, take a nap during the day and find this game at night on e- was it ESPN2? Is that right? No, ESPNU. Uh, DU. Yeah. Sorry, my page did not refresh in time. I knew it was ESPN something. So that's it for this week. We did a show under an hour. It's a miracle. How'd that happen? We did it somehow. Good job. Fewer games. Yes, good job on you. Good job on me for... Maybe we talked faster. Maybe we just did an efficient job. But that's it for our week five preview. We have our CSU kind of chat with uh, Justin Michael that I did earlier in the week, or actually today. It's, it's Thursday. We're doing this. Check that out where they're playing for 2019. Basketball stuff, if you want that, it's coming up pretty soon. Me and Eli Betker are doing Utah State, CSU kind of weekly previews. And, of course, all day football. Right, Matt? Exactly. And we and check us out. iTunes, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the great podcasts. Please give us a review if you like it. Tell a friend. Tell three friends. Pass out, create a business card for us and pass out to somebody on our behalf. We'd love it. Let people know, <laughs> let people know who we are and listen and say, hey, these guys sort of know what we're talking about. So that's a good – should that be our, our new uh, business card? These guys sort of know what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's better than we're biased against your team maybe. Which has been retired. It has been retired. It, it creeps up every now and then for a few things here and there. But that's it for our show tonight. And check us out at We'll be back on Football Edition Sunday – afternoon evening or something and hey have fun this weekend